welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for June 15. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. In a world of turmoil and injustice, conflict and suffering, we long for a day when all will be put right. A scene in the public ministry of Jesus of Nazareth helps us. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let him enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with a great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. While today the man would probably be diagnosed with some form of psychosis, Luke the physician says he was demon-possessed. Which raises an interesting question for us. The world of the Bible did not have the field of psychiatry and psychology, and yet the Bible does teach that we human beings are strange creatures who live on the boundary of two worlds, the physical and the spiritual. Sickness can invade the psychosomatic unity from either of the two spheres, and when it does, it can cause symptoms that affect both the physical and the spiritual, the mind and the body. Furthermore, just as illness can invade us from either source, so healing can come from either source, and when it is successful, it can bring both spiritual and physical relief. We recognize this, for example, when we bring prayer and medicine to bear on cancer. In the same way, we can bring prayer and psychiatry together for a person who is mentally ill. 
Luke's record provides a helpful clue to our question of diagnosis. We read, The man fell down at Jesus' feet, not in worship, but in recognition of Jesus' superior power. He shouted, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beseech you, do not torment me. The man was suffering from more than mental illness or uncontrolled behaviour through alcoholism or drug addiction. Markers of his condition were the length of time he had been disturbed and his awareness of the supernatural. His response to Jesus' question, What is your name? shows how true this was. Legion, the man said. The powers within him knew that they were confronted by someone greater, for Jesus was commanding them to leave the man. Fearing the abyss, the restriction of their movement, these alien forces asked Jesus to let them enter a large herd of swine. They may have thought that this would allow them to move around. Receiving Jesus' permission, they entered the pigs, and we read, the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. The destruction of the pigs graphically captures the ultimate purpose of such cosmic powers. They are hell-bent on the destruction of God's creation. Dr. Luke's juxtaposition of the before and after scenes reinforces this. Under the influence of dark powers, the man had no shame. He was naked and couldn't live in normal society, only amongst the dead. He couldn't be restrained and was unable to enjoy meaningful human relationships, let alone relationship with God. He was alienated and alone, an outcast. The powers of darkness are intent on defacing and destroying the image of God within us. However, released from the dark powers through Jesus' greater power, the man's life was dramatically changed. He was found by the townspeople sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Whereas previously he hadn't wanted companionship, now he wanted to be with Jesus. Whereas previously he had lived amongst the dead, now Jesus told him to return home. Jesus holds out to us the promise of restoration and hope. The picture the New Testament paints is that the Creator's rightful rule has been usurped by a coup, by what the letter to the Ephesians calls the rulers of this present darkness. Currently there's a conflict between the two distinct spheres of existence, the heavenly and the earthly. However, the scene in the land of the Gerasenes points us to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. For the present, we are naive if we ignore the reality that there are dark forces in the cosmos intent on controlling the lives of men and women. As the scene in Luke chapter 8 reveals, and as we read in Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not simply against flesh and blood. God's people are caught up in a struggle with the powers of darkness. However, the Bible assures us that the day is coming 
when everything will be brought under the manifest rule of Jesus Christ. As we read, for example, in the letter to the Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. Christianity is not a dualistic faith. God's King is supreme. Jesus' restoration of the man in the land of the Gerasenes points to this reality. Something else in the scene in Luke chapter 8. Despite the good Jesus had done for the man, the local property owners and townspeople didn't want him to stay. They feared him. But Jesus didn't leave this non-Jewish world without a witness. He commissioned the man to stay and let everyone know what God had done for him. His presence and testimony would be a constant reminder of the extraordinary Jewish man who had visited and brought about an amazing transformation to his life. From the way that Dr. Luke has recorded this event, it's clear he wants us not only to grasp the impact of Jesus' power, but also to feel the extent of his care and compassion and not least to those who are outside Israel. God's good news is that a remarkable intervention has occurred in world events. The true king of the universe himself has come amongst us, not with great fanfare, let alone with an army. That was not his strategy. Rather, single-handedly, he has mortally wounded the prince of darkness and is now gathering from all over the world people who are loyal to him. To achieve his purposes, he involves us, you and me, to pray for God's mercy, and to introduce our family and connections to the compassionate and all-powerful Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who will put all things right. So let me pray. Lord God, the unfailing helper and guide of those whom you bring up in your steadfast fear and love. Keep us, we pray, under the protection of your good providence and give us a continual reverence and love for your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, we thank you for bringing us safely to this day. Protect and preserve us by your mighty power, and grant that today we fall into no sin, nor run into any kind of danger. Lead and govern us in all things, so that we may always do what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer for peace. God of the nations, whose kingdom rules over all, have mercy on our broken and divided world. Shed abroad your peace in the hearts of all men and women, and banish from them the spirit that makes for war, so that all races and people may learn to live as members of one family and in obedience to your laws. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty Father, we commend to your goodness all who are in any way afflicted or distressed, especially those who are known to us. May it please you to comfort and relieve them according to their needs, giving them patience in their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. All this we ask 
for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us, and remain with us always. Amen. At the end of this podcast, you may want to listen to Christ is Our Hope in Life and Death from Keith and Kristen Getty and Matt Papa. You can find it on gettymusic.com. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian San Francisco. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and concluding music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.